Thank you very much. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, the children just went out and we want to pray for Accept the Lord be godly men and women and serve you well. And if we pray that for the children, should we not only pray that for ourselves? And so, Father God, I place this next little while in your hand and would ask that my words would be exactly what you want me to say. And that you would bless those who hear this message. In our Lord Jesus' name. Amen. My prayer is voiced in Psalm 69, where David says, Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. May this message by one that does not confound and does not confuse, does not mess up. First of all, I hate to start off by talking about me, but I am and my wife, Marlene, just to give you a report. Since the early 1990s, we've had the privilege of having an after-school children's Bible club in the school right just a block from our place. And we uh, bring them in, we have activities, we give them a Bible lesson, we snack them. For the boys, we play floor hockey, and if they get tired of floor hockey, we play more floor hockey. And uh, they never weary of that. We send permission ho slips home, first of all, through the secretary of the school, and if their parents sign off, they know Clareview Bible Chapel, Clareview Bible Church, is, is that the Bible will be taught. And we have children from all sorts of backgrounds. Most of them have never been to church. They're Islamic. They're Hindu. We're in a United Nations. We always come to California. We're surprised how many white people there are. Um, not in our town, part of the town. And we delight. There's Sikhs. There's those from uh, South America. There's Native Indian. And, there, and we decided a long time ago that in our lessons for this kids club, we would teach Christ. We'd leave the lessons of the Old Testament alone, and instead we would try to make a point of that they would know why Christ came in anticipation for Christmas and why he died and how he rose again in preparation for Easter. We focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're blessed. How long the Lord will continue to allow this, I don't know. But the principal this year said, you know, you don't have to apply to book the school anymore. <clears throat> We're going to write you in as part of the program. All you need is the principal's permission, and you can have your Bible club in our school. We'll open that time up to you. So we had to sign off on some stuff, and now we have the school, and, and, we're, and we're blessed. And uh, please be praying for it. It's been about 25 years since we've, that we've been going. 
And we can't count the number of children who heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're looking forward to seeing some of those in heaven. What I want to talk about today, preach about today, all started off this summer. Marlene and I spent a few weeks of summer at Meadow Lodge Bible Camp. Marlene has uh, cooked in it for a long, long time. And this year they had enough cooks. She's counseled at one of the camps. And uh, I was at the camp, boys camp, or the children's camp, where the speaker, and this speaker, he's, um, he loves to give a monologue as part of his Bible teaching. So he'll give the Bible lesson in the morning, in the afternoon he gives a monologue. And he's done people like Martin Luther, etc. This year he did Pilgrim's Progress. Now if you've never read the book Pilgrim's Progress, you should. I haven't read it in decades. But Frank decided to do a monologue of the travels of Christian along the road of life. And Christian has this burden that's weighing him down, and that's the burden of his sin. And Christian desires to remove that, and he finally comes to the cross, and the burden falls off. And then he goes through some other adventures, and I haven't read the book in decades, but the thing that struck me afterwards was Bunyan in his writings never had Christian go back to the cross again. Christian encountered a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges, a lot of setbacks, but he never went to the cross back. He continued on his journey to the celestial city. And as much as I love that book and I love that writing, and it's one that a lot of people have read, he didn't go back to the cross. Later on this fall, we, uh, we preach um, through books of the Bible uh, during our main meeting, and we were going through Hebrews, and I got Hebrews too. And Hebrews 2, and the Bible is delightfully honest, and this is what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2, after talking about Christ being superior to the angels. He writes this, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Let's be honest. People drift away. If you've been around long enough, you've seen it. People who had a zeal for the Lord, perhaps were regular attenders, drift away. And this drift away is like a boat that's not tied and it slowly drifts away. They start missing meetings or get involved in something else and, and soon you don't see them often. Matthew, the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew made it quite clear that the seeds would fall on all type of soil. And though some would bear much fruit, there'd be a lot who just sprout up and then die off. Whether it be for the love of the world, the love of money, the cares of the world. But some would not come to fruition. For if the word spoken, says Hebrews 2, chapter 2, through angels proved steadfast, 
and every transgression and disobedience reserved a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And for those that are drifting away or those that are neglecting so great a salvation, Christendom has, North American Christendom, has come up with some interesting things. And God bless the people who run these, who publish them, who, who uh, share them with others. Make them disciples. Disciple them. Give them books on how to grow in your Christian faith or how to stop it from going out. How to keep the flame alive. How to enhance your Christian experience. Books, courses, counseling, discipling. Or perhaps we blame ourselves. If only we'd had them over. If only we'd shown more interest in them. If only we had shared this book with them or talked to them. And as much as those are good emotions to have and good reasoning to have, they're not valid. For you see, their faith is not between you and them. Their faith is between them and God. And we are not in the place of God. And I have seen enough believers grow and come to maturity in very, very difficult situations. And others who've been nurtured by loving parents and grandparents and a loving church family fade away, drift away. None but Christ can satisfy, we just sung. T.D. Muir, in a biography written about him, reminisced about a lady who had the joy of life. Oh, when he met her, she was, she, was just, she was just bubbling over with the joy of the Lord. And she had this testimony. She said, I went to a gospel tent meeting. Now, this is a hundred and some years ago. I went to a gospel tent meeting. And oh, I wanted the peace of God. And so I, after the meeting, I tried to talk to the evangelist. And he seemed busy with a bunch of other people. And I tried to get in his way, and finally I did. And he said, what might I do for you, ma'am? And she said, I want peace. And he said, oh, I thought you wanted Jesus. And he turned around and talked to some other people. And she went home angry. How dare he? I came to him, the man of God. I wanted the peace of God. And he threw in that line. And it was emblazed in her mind. And then as the spirit worked on her, she came to realize he was right. She was wrong. Christ comes first. And then peace and joy. And I dare sometimes say that sometimes we place the cart before. We get things mixed up. We promised them the priest that's in Christ, and it's true, but Christ comes first. If you take a look at the writing of, of um, for instance, Romans 5, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and underline the number of times it's through in that chapter 5. The Bible continually repeats over and again the word through Christ. Continuing to read in Hebrews 2. If we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? or the son of man that you take care of him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting of him, from whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now this perfection is not a perfection in that something was was wrong in Christ, it's that by that deed he became the perfect Savior, the perfect Lamb of God. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly I will sing praises to you, and again I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I in the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those through, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted, including those who are tempted not only to sin, but to drift away. This is the counselor those who were drifting need. No other Christian counseling can give the counseling that our Savior can. No other book can direct people to the one who can help them as the Bible can. Psalm 103 says, and forget not all his benefits. And there's nothing wrong with counting our blessings. But our blessings must not become the center of our focus. And quite often folks drift because they think there's something missing. Be it wealth, 
be it fame, be it leisure. As one writer wrote in Choice Gleanings last year, the glorification of laziness is a temptation he has as well. And sometimes we just want to be lazy. Then Hebrews talks about a rest, but it's not a rest in the way we think of it. Don't catch any of those things the world's chasing after. And let's encourage those that are drifting not to chase the things of the world, but to get back to Christ. Go back to the cross. Get back to the one who can direct your thoughts and will delight you and give you joy that's found no one else. None but Christ can satisfy. And there's no satisfaction by drifting away. There will only be an emptiness. A lot of... I, in my work, I get to listen to radio preachers. And oh, they're wonderful folks, most of them. Trying to do a, a, trying to do a job to serve the Lord. And they've got a lot of lessons out of the Word of God. But very few of them say, get back to the cross. They talk about the me's and the we's. And I wish they talked more about the him, the he's. Not about us, not about me, but about Christ. You'll notice in Paul's writings, Paul's couldn't get away from it. He'd give a little bit of a situation in a letter, and then he'd get on to Christ. He, he talked about his preaching as only, I preach Christ and him crucified. Didn't get into the other stuff. He knew where it was going. Christ and him crucified. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ There's no lasting joy in me and we. There might be happiness for a little while, but a lot of happiness that comes from blessedness. And in this dear, dear breaking of bread that we brethren have, and might I add that there's a delight that we should have and have in nothing else. Oh, we've got our scholars, we've got our preachers, we've got our men of God. Don't delight in them. Delight in Christ and the fact that you take the first fruits of the first hours of the week to remember him. And if we do it right Saturday night, we examine ourselves, we look in the mirror, and then Sunday morning, we remember him. And I don't want to be like that guy I examined on Saturday night. I want to be like the one I'm thinking about Sunday morning when I come together for the breaking of the bread. The church in many parts of many thoughts in... Um, many ways in North America is trying to be relevant. Trust me in this. Christ and Christ crucified is always relevant. They're looking for being contemporary. Christ and Christ crucified is always temporary. Contemporary. 
The other stuff is passing. Fads will change. There's much good music, for instance, out there, and I've quoted a couple hymns. Much good contemporary music coming, but be careful. When it starts glorifying me or we and quits glorifying he, don't go to it. The tune might be catchy. And we've done that with old hymns as well. But check out the hymns. The number of hymns that say, I am focused on Christ. Christ is all to me. Christ is my delight. The Lord Jesus Christ who died for me is my joy. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I only wish I thought of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. And may it be the only song you sing. Whether things are good or bad, times are tough or sweet, may his love be your only song. And may it be the one that those people who are drift away catch you singing. Hebrews will go on to say that we have need of endurance and we endure through things. And if you're going through rough times, tough times, remember the suffering of Christ, what it did? It perfected him. Maybe God's perfecting you a little bit. And you have need of endurance. The rich young ruler in Luke 18 Well, he didn't want to give up his money. But you'll notice at the end of the request of Christ, give away your things and follow me. He couldn't. He wouldn't. He could have if he would have, but he didn't. Do you remember when Christ was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified and the blind man said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, what would you like? want my eyesight. Of course, Jesus knew he wanted his sight. But once he got his sight, the scriptures say he followed Christ. There was another man on the road to Jerusalem where Christ was going to die for our sins. And oh, he was happy. And here they are, the rest of the disciples. Oh, Uh, the Lord Jesus is talking about going to Jerusalem and dying and all the rest of that stuff, and we don't want him to go, and we don't want him to go through that. The Passover is coming. We go to Jerusalem. We need to go to Jerusalem, but we don't want to go to Jerusalem. And here's this man who's just received his sight, and he sees Christ, and his focus is on his beloved Lord Jesus because he gave him back his sight, and he doesn't care where Jesus is going He's going with him. Peter said he'd die with Christ, and he didn't. I think the man given his sight probably would have. Don't know. Going to find out someday. The modern songs. We have one we sing a lot at our chapel. In Christ alone, my hope is found. May it be our hope is in Christ alone. Not in circumstances, not what we're going through, not what's happening. Go to the cross. Jesus, there's another one. 
all for Jesus, all I am and have and ever want to be. There's a hymn that goes, Thou and Thou only, first in my heart, High King of Heaven. In Hebrews 11, there are people of the faith. And something is talked about them, and especially Moses, who said that he chose Christ over the riches of Egypt. And in the wrap-up of all this, Hebrews 12 comes. And we can probably repeat it without even looking at it. And if you can't read it again, let it sink in deep. Looking to Jesus, the author and originator of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And that cross not only brought him joy, it brought us joy and peace and blessings beyond compare. In the breaking of bread this morning, we sang a hymn that said, It is our joy to think of thee. May that be true. In conclusion, I would say that we need to repeat exactly what the writer of Hebrews repeated and said and reminds us of. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. We tend to get weary and discouraged in our souls. When we see others drift away, when we see the futility of what we thought was doing good and the ways of mankind. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't do that. Don't become discouraged. And the cure for your discouragement and your weariness isn't a vacation. It's Christ. Isn't a big payoff. It's Christ. Isn't a good night's rest. It's Christ. If I can add just one more thought to this. It struck me just like this through Christ, Christ being the ultimate answer to us drifting away from God and others drifting away from God, that when you're going through difficult times, you don't sleep very well. Have you noticed how little regard God has for man's sleep in Scripture? As a matter of fact, I believe when Peter was sleeping in prison, the angel kicked him to wake him up. And there are those of you who are old enough, perhaps like me, where you don't sleep very well. You fight it. You toss and turn. 
You say, ah, oh, I wish I could fall asleep. And something that the Lord showed me that I'll share with you, get up. Perhaps it's God's calling. Make a cup of tea. Visit with the Lord. Pray. Read a little bit of his word. Enjoy your night watch. If you could picture North America and little lights that come on every time someone's praying to God, you would see that at 3 o'clock in the morning, there's not a very many lights on. But maybe yours will be one of them. Enjoy. Enjoy your Savior. Thank him for your Savior. Make all your needs and wants and cares known. And you may well fall asleep in an hour or two and have the best part of the night's sleep you've had in a long time. God delights when you thank him for your son, his son, even in the night watch, in the middle of the night. Moses Hogan, long time, wrote a song, long time ago, wrote a song that has become popular this last little while. It's sung by Ortega and by someone else, I can't remember who, and his line's fairly simple. I'd like to give this for thought. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And when I am alone, yes, when I am alone, when I am alone, give me Jesus. And when I come to die, yes, when I come to die, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Do you remember the fellow, the old fellow in the tempest temple? Simeon, they brought the baby Jesus to him. And he held the baby Jesus in his hand and said, now I'm ready to die. And of course, the implication is because now he has seen, has experienced, has delighted in the gift of God, the salvation of God come in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, may Christ be your focus throughout the week, but may it start with this beautiful, beautiful thing we have in the assemblies called the breaking of bread. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, we'll have a little bit of fellowship time. We'll have a little bit of prayer time. We'll have a little bit of Bible teaching time, but we'll do that in remembrance of him. Give me Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, may we not neglect so great a salvation, Father. It costs you so much, and it's free to us. And sometimes free things aren't cherished the way they should be. But for those who are drifting, may we point them to our Savior and remind them of the cross. And oh, we are so blessed and reminded of it when we remember him.
and he's the focus of heaven, why shouldn't he be the focus of our lives? And Father God, may this love of Jesus be contagious, and may this focus on Jesus be contagious. And may this desiring to be near the cross be pleasing to you. We pray this in the name of our blessed Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The meeting is over.